0: But we're blessed to be here tonight. Thank you for coming and listening. And I'd like for us to begin with a word of prayer. Will you pray with me? Father and Lord, what a beautiful place to be worshiping tonight. Thank you for this place on your earth, holding forth the word, and praising you from this spot on the earth. God, may this church stand until you come again and send forth the life, Jesus Christ, from this place. Father and Lord, will you bless us with your presence tonight? I know that where we are gathered here, you're here. God, just know that there isn't anything I can say that'll be worth anything if your Holy Spirit doesn't teach us and inspire us and enlighten us. So I admit to you tonight before we begin into the scriptures that we need your Spirit interpretation and help tonight. Thank you for these dear people whom we love so much. We thank you for your word, which is living, which is teaching, which is guiding. Just pray tonight that we'll do that. Before we leave this place, we'll be determined to serve you and live for you every day like we never have before. We love you. May you get glory from all that's done tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well if you brought your Bibles tonight, and I hope you did, it's Bible study. And I don't know whether you'll still call it that after I get through or not. But I want you to turn to Mark. Chapter uh, ten. Saw some notes down here. They might be Keith's Nope, they're mine from Oh, turn to chapter 10 and Mark, and what we're going to do is connect a few series, a few caveats in Christ's life just before uh, he went to the cross. And normally if you preach on Palm Sunday, you'd preach some of these verses, or if you're preaching on his death, you might preach some of these. If you're preaching another object lesson, you might use one of the verses I'm going to start with. But one day as I was sitting down and reading, studying and looking, these jumped out at me and and this message as well. I just want to share it with you and I hope it will be a blessing to you. Now I'm going to read several verses to give you the total context of of what I want to share with you tonight. So beginning in verse 46, chapter 10, book of Mark. There's the light. Hey, You know, if you turn this thing, you can see the whole book like that. One of our churches over Tabernacle Baptist at Pelzer installed these new computer-generated lights, and uh, they didn't practice with them the first Sunday. Uh, uh, preacher Avant walked out there, and those things came on, and he thought he was going to have to be healed before he started. But uh, they, do, they do shed light on things, don't they? All right, here we are, verse 46, chapter 10. Now. They came to Jericho. Jericho was a few miles, 10, 15 miles out of Jerusalem. As he went out of Jericho with the disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, Have mercy on me. And then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. That that volume right there wouldn't work in most Middle East countries. That volume wouldn't work in, in most Indonesian cities. So it was probably quite loud. All right, and then verse 49. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And G- Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Now there's one caveat. I'm going to move on. Look at verse one in chapter 11. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany, the Mount of Olives, he and two of his disciples, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, go into the village opposite you. And he As soon as you've entered into it, you'll find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Jesus is the man, isn't he? He knows. Omnipotence. He knew what they were looking for. Let me go on. If I start preaching on every verse, we'll never get out of here, Wendell. You already knew that, but you came anyway tonight. Thank you. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it here. And so they went their way, found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those stood there, said to them, what are you doing, loosing the colt? And they spoke to them, just as Jesus has commanded, and so they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. Many spread their clothes on the road, and and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Now, these leafy branches are like palm branches. This stuff uh, is really tough, tough material. And Indonesia, the palm leaves and branches were used to make roofs. So it's called atop, and it was very tough. They laid it down. It would be just like pavement on the road. So that's what they were doing. And they cut the leafy branches from the tree, spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna! That literally means save us now. Hosanna! Save us now! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna! In the highest. Jesus went on to Jerusalem and looked in the temple so when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now there's some more caveats right there, and we're going on to another one. This is sort of, um, you'd almost think it's a misfit, but it's a lesson that will just tear you up. It tore me up. And this next little caveat, it almost doesn't fit into the Palm Sunday or the crucifixion story. But look at this, verse 12. Chapter 11, now the next day, when they'd come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. But when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard that. And your your Bible says that. The disciples heard him say that. That's a witness to his sovereignty, and the Holy Spirit included that in there. I'm so glad they did that he did. Verse 15, so they came to Jerusalem, then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple, overturned the tables of the money changers, and the seats of those who sold doves. And he wouldn't allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. An evening had come, he went out of the city. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree, Dried up from the roots. Peter, remembering, said to him, hey, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. But Jesus answered said to them, Have faith in God, for surely I say to you, Whoever says of this mountain be removed and cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. That's some powerful stuff. Let me see if I can unpack some of this for you the way I felt it out there on my back porch just a few days ago. This is an incredible time and it's full of lessons for us tonight. One of the things I saw in that first caveat was this, that he cared for the people. He cared for the people. On his way through his life, Jesus set an example for us that is powerful. You, tomorrow, will start out. Some of you may go by the bank, you go by the store, you may go to work, you may go. But as you're going, you're going through your day, you're going through your life, it's through your time. I hope that after tonight, maybe you'll respond to people just a little bit differently tomorrow. When you remember that as Jesus went through his life, he cared for people. On his way to the most important appointment of his life, to the cross. With the crowds of people around him. And, and as you know well, if you've studied the Bible all, or ever been to church at all, you know there were thousands of people. It wasn't just tens and here and there a group. But it usually was thousands of people. And on the way, this man calls out Bartimaeus. Now, Bartimaeus literally means son of Timaeus. B-A-R. It's not unusual in... The Middle East and in a lot of Eastern countries, even in Indonesia, they'll use a prefix for a name. We had Suharto, Sukarno, Suharno. We had all kinds of Sus. and that just meant son of Harto, son of Timaeus, Bartimaeus, called out. And Bartimaeus might have done something that others who were in real need hadn't done before. I'm sure Jesus had healed many on the way to Bartimaeus. But Bartimaeus recognized Jesus' authority. How about that in your life? This was a problem we had with our Muslim friends, was helping them to realize Jesus' authority and who he really was. And Bartimaeus did. And when he did that, he called out, Son of David! And the Bible very distinctly says Jesus stopped. Everything stopped. Everything stopped. When he called him son of David, he was testifying to the crowd and to Jesus. (laughs) I have faith. I believe you are who you say you are. And I believe you are who the Bible, who the scriptures, the holy scriptures, we've been taught our lives, say you are. And when he, he cried out son of David, everything stopped. In, you, in your life this week and this month, maybe the rest of your life, as you go, let me encourage you to care for people. Because when you care for people, miracles will happen. And we'll give you a couple of examples, and some of them are personal with Debbie and I, but they're real. Um, for a long time, I guess, after I went over to Palmetto, Debbie continued to visit uh, some of. Mount Airy shut-ins and taught Sunday schools. to some of them in the homes, and she enjoyed doing that and then uh, started teaching again, and some of that fell off. But there was one of the ladies, and for the life of me, I can't remember. I should have written it down, but I didn't. But one of our ladies was in the hospital, and um, Deb went by to see her. Do you remember? Who? Huh? Miss Shepherd. And she couldn't get in the room. They were taking care of her. And so she sat down in the waiting room near the room there. You've all been there. You you know, a lot of people sitting there. There was a a young man sitting there who appeared to be about 19 years old, maybe. And um, they struck up a conversation. Debbie would talk to anybody. She married me. You know, she'd talk to anybody. And she struck up a conversation with a young men, and, and in just a little bit, out of her pocketbook came the tracks that we use so often. This is simply Billy Graham, Steps to Peace with God. You ought to get about 10,000 of them and keep them available in your services, and everybody take them out of here when you leave. Because this is the, this is the bridge for us. At Burger King, it doesn't matter where. It's, it, it works. It opens the door. You have some, something to, to do and something to say rather than just seem nosy and say, do you believe in God? You know, that kind of comes across cold. But she pulled that out and said, let me share this with you. And he looked through it, and she asked if he were Christian, and he said, no. In a little while, she led that young man to Christ. She found out that it was Miss Shepherd's grandson didn't know. Do you think it made a lot of difference to her to find out later that her son, grandson had come to Jesus Christ? You know, when you care for people, other things happen. Miracles happen. That's why we, we do it. That's why Jesus says this. Oh, don't go through your life with blinders on. But like Christ, care for people. And you'll get a blessing out of it. I could go on a little, a little more. There was a, another girl. Here's another Debbie story. But uh, at Operation Care, folks come in. They have a lot of needs. And I sat down beside this young teenage girl, began to talk with her about her life. Why were you there? Why are you not in school? And she began to open up and tell me how she was expecting a child and couldn't finish high school and was there to get groceries. And so I I just shared with her Christ, shared with her how we could help her, how she could get continuing education, anything we could do for her. I came home, mentioned that young lady to Debbie. Actually, I was taking a nap, and she came in, she woke me up. And I told her about this young gal. the next week, she couldn't get that young girl off her mind, and she found her address, went to that mobile home, took her a, a little gift for the expecting mother and asked her to come out and sit in the car about this time last year it was very hot she sat there and led that little girl to christ you know just miracles happen when we care think about what you might run into this week or who you might run into what their need might be just take an extra moment and i could tell you many many other stories right there but i want to move on to another caveat because not only he cared for the people they came into the city and when i saw this this is what i saw when i i realized he came into the city i saw that jesus got out of his comfort zone you said how could jesus ever be in a comfort zone i'll tell you there were there were thousands of people pressing you Uh, you gotta have some peace and i know at least one time the bible tells us he did get apart he came apart and went up in the mountains from everything and prayed. And I will tell you, if you don't come apart, sometime you'll come apart. You got to get apart. So there, there are times. He came into this city. He left his comfort zone. We got to get out of our comfort zones. I remember sitting right, right back there. This section, almost on the back pew, About the first Sunday, we came back to Mount Airy many, many, many years ago. And Keith just happened to preach a message that morning. In that message, he said, you can't win the world from a padded pew. If somebody is in a fire, you have to get close to them to save them. Now, this is nice and beautiful and wonderful, but I'm going to tell you the people that need our help are in the city. They're out of this place are outside the church. Very few of you can give me a story of a lost person that's called you and said, Would you come over here and tell me how to be saved? They don't come and ask us that. But they will get saved if we, by faith, go. And he came into the city. He'd come there as a child and taught, and they were amazed at him. But now he's coming as an adult. Now he's coming as king. And this city was a Mecca for the Jews. It was a holy city for the Jews. And I use the word Mecca, I think of my Muslim friends. It was, Mecca for them is their hope of salvation. They get to go there one time, just once in their life, and they'll have a hope of paradise. Well, anything like that for, this was a wonderful, holy place. The city where, emanating from the city and from the temple were the teachings of the scripture. The words of God. This was a place they all dreamed to go. And here was Jesus. But In this case, in this caveat, it was his city of his death. Let me ask you this question. If you knew that you were, if you went to this particular city, if you knew You went to that city, you were going to die. Would you go? We've been to many cities like this. It's hard to believe. Somebody from Lugoff and Grove Station. How many of you know where Grove Station is? Twelve people. Y'all, the rest of you have missed out on great blessings in life. In case you don't know where Grove Station is, I'll give you an idea so you'll know. It's about halfway between Moonville and Possum Kingdom. All right? Amazing to think that two country bumpkins could get around the world and see large cities like this. Moscow, Bangkok, Jakarta, Singapore. I was amazed that the people there and we went to other cities like this in Asia that, at one particular place, honestly, we didn't know on this occasion if we would survive. We didn't know if we'd get out of there or end up in jail. We went to a city called Bataraja, and it was, Bataraja is a king rock, isn't that it? Translates king rock. And, but there had never been any foreigners there, never been any Americans in Bataraja. But a guy that we knew in Palembang had gone there and tried to start an English school, and he begged us over and over to come to Bataraja. Long trip. Finally, we gave in, worked out a time, and we took off to Bataraja. And we were fairly well received there in the English school. We ended up in a military school. It was a long day, and finally about 11 o'clock, we got to the hotel. If you could call it a hotel. I mean... If you could call it a hotel, that's where we got to. And we walked in, our host was there, and another young man, we really didn't know him too well, but he was kind of tagging along the whole time. And when we when we walked in, there was a little commotion. And um, the manager of the hotel said, They cannot stay here. And our, our host said, why, why? He said, because, boule, they're foreigners. <laughs> they're foreigners. I said, you better believe it. I'm a foreigner. I'm from Lugov. Foreigners? Of course we're foreigners. We were the only white people in the town, you know. And, and it, I can't stay here. We were so tired we could hardly stand up. And you can't stay here? And our host, he said, well, we've we, got to stay here. Well, the young man had been following us around. He stepped into the doorway. And he said, what's the problem? What Aramasala, is there a problem? He said, yeah, he said, the manager said they can't stay here tonight because they're foreigners. And he said, why not? He said, the last foreigners who were from, from Australia or somewhere had been there, and the police came, got them out of bed in the middle of the night and took them to jail. And he said, I don't want that to happen here. And I said, trust me, I don't want it to happen here again either. But this guy stepped up, and he said, oh, listen, let me tell you. You don't know me. He introduced himself, but he said, I'm assistant to the Wale Kota. That's a funny word, and the Wale Kota is the mayor. He said, they're going to stay here tonight, or you will be closed next week. Oh, please come in and sign the register. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, that night we could have slept in the street. We were so tired. And after we saw the bed, I told her, let's move to the street. It was horrible. There was no, no sheets. It was a stained mattress. It was no pillowcase. That's what we expected. Didn't really expect, but it was worse. I, I, and there was no air, no nothing. Guys were smoking in the alley outside the room. And Billy, you've been over there. You've been to Pottombox. Some of you have been to Indonesia, and, you know, they, they smoke outside the windows, and you can't shut them. You just, and, and anyway, so I went around to the other rooms, and believe me, there was no one else in that hotel. And I could understand why there was no one. It's like he'd have been glad to have our business. And I went from room to room. I just walked in the rooms. There was no locks. And I found not only a light bulb, which we needed, there was a wire hanging. We needed a light bulb. Uh, but I also found a kipas, a fan. That's one of those old fans standing up on, on a pedestal. I spun the thing and it went around. I said, okay, let's just pray for power. <laughs> I took it back into our bedroom, and the wires were all messed up, and I kind of pressed them together and stuck it in. That thing started up. <laughs> and it it blew on us all night. Praise God, we got through, you know. We got through. And that English teacher, we, we preached the gospel to him so many times. I don't ever know what happened to him, but he never would change. Almost. Let me tell you, he was almost persuaded. And I'd go back to Bataraja if he would get saved. So we've been in some cities. And we didn't know if we'd survive that night. But we went there by faith. But Jesus knew he would not survive. And And another way, let me say this to you. None of us in this room are going to survive. My daddy used to say, hey, none of us getting out of here alive, boys. And I thought about that recently and thought about it this way. If that is true and we are God's children, we are his messengers, and we have the words of life, why don't we live like it's our last day and everybody we meet needs to hear what we know? Because none of us are going to get out of here alive. This is our chance. This is our time. Now that you know that, is it making a difference where you go tomorrow? It should. You may not survive tomorrow, but the people you meet in the morning may need Jesus Christ. A little something to think about. There's another caveat. And I had to go to Matthew 23 to get this, but you know the story. We won't read the scripture. But when he got there, next day he cried over the city. Not only a care for the people. Listen. He came to the city knowing he was going to die. But he cried over the city. This blows my mind. What time is it, Debbie? Okay. When people start stretching out on the pews, I'll quit. Usually that's when I quit. Out in the Midwest a few years ago, uh, a fire swept through. Arizona, in the farm country there, and you've heard and seen it. It happens so fast they can't stop it. The grass is tender, it's hot like it is today, and fire will sweep through the farms. And That had happened, and an insurance adjuster was, adjuster was walking with a farmer through his farm, surveying the damage to make an appraisal for the insurance claim. As they walked across the barnyard, uh, the farmer kicked a, a, a stump out of the way that was smoldering, and they continued to walk, and the stump rolled over here and stopped, and it began to quiver sort of a rattle and they stopped and looked back and then they realized that it was not a stump at all when they looked at it closely they realized it was a mother hen and when that fire had swept into the barn it was so fast she had just clucked to her chicks raised her arms and all of her chicks had run up under her wings she closed them up the fire took her life And they just kind of kicked the stump a little bit and little chicks ran out everywhere. She had saved most of her brood. Jesus cried over the city. You know that story. How he looked at Jerusalem and and said, how many times would I have gathered you under my wings like a mother hen does her brood, but you wouldn't come to me. Just uh, the other day, as I read this, I thought, how long since you cried over Williamston and Pelzer and Powdersville, Piedmont and Anderson and Easley? How long since you and I cried over these cities? Begged them to come to Christ. I made this note. and we plan and schedule prayer meetings. Maybe we need to plan and schedule some praying and crying. Rallies. Praying that the Holy Spirit of God would fall on us and fall on our cities and fall on our communities and give us the courage of our convictions to share the gospel, hand the track, make a difference. Maybe we should have praying and crying rallies. Y'all plan one, let me know. Men near Charlotte prayed for a revival. One teen was saved, and they thought it was a failure. And Billy Graham grew up become a greatest evangelist out of Charlotte. Praying and crying rallies. God never fails if we're faithful. Jesus looked at this city and cried over it, setting an example for us. And it tears me up to think about it. Then let me I guess. go on to this next caveat. I'm getting close to the end. Y'all can relax just a bit. He cursed the fig tree. For a while, I didn't understand why it was where it was. He cursed the fig tree. But you, know, you remember when we went to that on that Java trip, we went out to Rembong. Rembong was North Java, it was a salt capital of Java. Salt, instead of rice patties, they had salt patties. Now, that's the truth. They just captured this seawater and then raked the salt off. They sell that salt. But that city, we went out to to try to help and encourage a young couple who were evangelists from the uh, seminary. And we went out there uh, to sit out in the, in the floor and talk to farmers. And the couple that was there, their platform, was raising ducks to sell the duck eggs. And before we left for the trip, <laughs> before we left for the trip, Billy's going to laugh in a minute, uh, I got a call from Greg, and he said, this guy's ducks are dying. You know anything? What can we do about poultry? <laughs> now, he's already laughing because he knows the story. He said, they're dying. Yeah, yeah, I'll do this. Uh, I called Freddie Zink. Y'all remember Freddie Zink? I said, can you get me some antibiotic for ducks? He said, what? Yeah. I, I, got, I, I use antibiotics with quail. A lot of you don't know me, don't know this, but I'm not crazy. I, I've been in the hunting business for a long time, raised a lot of quail. So I did know something about bird antibiotics and Freddie Zink. Somehow made it, I guess you got it. It was about a half a gallon of that stuff. You could have treated the whole half of Indonesia with what he sent. And um, they had about 40 ducks. Anyway, the time we got to there and got out to Rimbong and got to that place, all the ducks had died. But guess what? She served us for lunch that day. I'm not lying, Emma. We ate it was the best duck dead duck i've ever eaten i've eaten a lot of i've eaten a lot of dead ducks had that old spicy sauce on it and rice and we sat there and shared with those guys and then the reason i'm telling all this y'all know or you don't know some of you don't know me don't know this but i'll chase rabbits every once in a while <laughs> Boop. and um, the guy said we got a problem we have a drought and there was—it was, it was an awful drought. You could look in the rice paddies, and there was there was no water. They, they had piled the dung up in piles, but there was no water to fill the rice paddies to plant the rice. And they were they, they were looking at a terrible economic crisis in the Rumba. And they took us out to the rice paddies. I don't know if you remember this, Billy, but they took us out under a huge mango tree, and there were just machete wax all over this tree and i asked her somebody asked what, what the cutting on this tree for and the other guy said the tree's not bearing so we're cutting on it we get the spirits out of this tree so it'll bear this mango tree was one of the biggest mango trees i've ever seen like a giant oak and the whole village depended on that thing it wasn't bearing and they were trying to get it to bear they'd go out to that mango tree and there wouldn't be anything to eat but I remember us gathering under that tree, and I asked if can we pray? Can we pray? These were Muslim people. But we prayed. We prayed for rain. We left there and went home, got back to the States. I didn't know for two or three months. I may have been, It might have been two months. I actually have a letter. Greg didn't even know for several weeks. So that evangelist came to the seminary to a class, uh, to a semi, um chapel service and gave a testimony he said these americans came and came out to the tree and prayed for rain and all of a sudden it began to rain and it filled the patties and water ran down the streets and he said opened up a lot of doors for us to share but i thought about that mango tree when i read this tree looked like it was doing something but it wasn't doing anything That tears me up right there because there's a lot of days I'm, I'm guilty of that. I look like I'm doing something, but I'm not doing anything. There's a lot of days you look like you're a Christian, but you're not doing anything. Some days you look like a tree, but you're not yielding anything. And I want to tell you, I'll tell all of us, let's beware. It's not just the pastor's job to witness. We're in the age of evangelism. We know better. If people are going to learn about Jesus, we're going to have to tell them. We're in the age of evangelism. The Bible tells in Second Chronicles the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is faithful to him. Mm. Well, let that little caveat about the fig tree encourage you to bear fruit the last one is this it's all in this same story that's why i told you when i read it and thinking about it's not just a an easter message or a palm sunday it's it's a life lesson and this last thing not only did he curse the fig tree you know he cried over the city did all that he cleansed the temple again Isaiah 56, 7 is what Jesus quoted. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all people. This was the part of the temple where the Gentiles could come. This was the part of the temple where they could come in. See what was going on. Maybe be influenced. Maybe be one to God. Maybe pray. Jesus had been in there. He'd already been in there once and cleaned them out. This was a second time. This is the only part of the temple the lost people could come in. And the church leaders didn't care, and they had made that section of the temple a marketplace. Now, why did that bother Jesus so much? I want you to help me demonstrate why. Debbie, you're going to come help me. How many of you have keys here? I need about ten people. Get your keys out hold them up come on up here deb you're gonna be you be a cheerleader got keys all right take a hymn book y'all got keys take a hymn book well how about bible you can take a bible turn it over hold those keys over the bible all right how many of you got them let's see the keys all right good just hold on right there all right the rest of you i want about 10 people has anybody here raised goats Hey, listen! Don't knock it. I, I've eaten a lot of goat. It's not bad. <laughs> but some of you raise a bit around goats. I, w- I want about how about maybe ten people raise your hand. And say I'll I'll be a goat. Come on! I need you. All right, there you go. Go. Ah, do it. Ah, do it. Ah, okay. Now, the rest of you, can you go? You can do that. Come on! Let's hear it. Ooh. All right, y'all y'all are not into this. Woo-hoo. All right, let's let's hear the goats again. Bye. Okay, now Debbie, is, you got a book? Okay, guess what that is. Well, that's a Trader Joe's coffee bean can. Um, coins. Guys with the keys, you ready? All right, we're going to practice with y'all now. Drop them on the book. Pick them up, drop them on the book. Keep doing it. Where's my goats? Ah <laughs> Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Where's my does? Wo Woo-hoo-hoo. Stand up, lead us in prayer. Stand up and lead us in prayer. I just said to him three times, stand up and lead us in prayer. And he said, do what? It's true. My house will be called a house of prayer. That's what Jesus heard in God's house. Upset him. I don't know if it makes any sense to you, but it does to me. And Apply it to your own heart. We're his temple. We're his people. We're his temple. What's the condition of your heart and what's going on in there? Every time I take stock of that, it, it convicts me. What's the condition of your heart? Are you clean? James Kraft was the president of the Kraft Cheese Company. Many, many years ago, before we had email and all that stuff, it was in the newspaper in Chicago that he was going to California, to L.A., for a meeting. A lady in Chicago had a son in prison in L.A., He didn't know her. She didn't know him. But she came to his office to see him. James Craft was well-known as a Christian businessman. This lady waited for an appointment, and she went in to talk to him, said, I I read you're going to L.A. He said, that's right. What can I do for you? And she said, I have a son in prison out there. Would you go see him? Just speak to him for me. Try to help him. He said, yeah, I'll go. I will do that. So they made the arrangements after his meeting. He went out to the prison, and this was what happened Mr. Kraft at the prison. As he was walking in. They had installed some new technology. As he and his host was walking down the hall, a guard stepped out of a closet-like space and said, Would you stop right there? They stopped. There was a flash of light. And he said, Wait just a moment. Came back out. He said, thank you, Mr. Kraft. Sorry to bother you. You may go on in. You're clean. He said, excuse me? He said, you're clean, sir. We have some new equipment that's like x-ray, and we see no weapons on you. You're clean. So he was relieved, and he started on down the hall, and all of a sudden, Mr. Kraft's testimony is that he thought, what if I turn the corner and start down the next hall, and Jesus Christ steps out and says, Stop right there, James. I want to see if you're clean. And he said, Right there in the hall of that prison, I had to take inventory of my life to see if I was clean. Well, we should all do that every once in a while, shouldn't we? None of us perfect. There's none good, no, not one. But it don't hurt to try. Hope some of that spoke to you. He cares for the people. He came to the city, cried over the city, cursed the fig tree, cleansed the temple. And he wants to clean us and those around us. What's your life like? The whole thing of this message is to do something. Do something for his kingdom and get started this week. There was a lady that lived and died in a little town in the Midwest. She was the oldest citizen in her, her town. The local editor wanted to try to find out some information about her to write a little article about her since she was the oldest resident in town when she died. He couldn't find out anything about her. She'd never done anything wrong, never had a traffic ticket, didn't know anything about her. He had to write an article, didn't, couldn't find anything, so he assigned the first person he saw coming down the hall. He stopped this guy and said, I'm going to give you an assignment. He said, I want you to find out something about this lady. It just happened to be the sports editor for the newspaper. And he couldn't find out anything. And so, this is what they say if you go to this little town on her tombstones, what you'll read. Here lie the bones of Nancy Jones for a life. Hell, no terrors. She lived an old maid. She died an old maid. No hits, no runs, no errors. Do something. I will bet you if you're trying to do it for the Lord Jesus Christ, miracles will happen. I promise you, miracles will happen. I've enjoyed sharing with you all tonight. Thank you for listening to me. I'm not preaching down to you because every time I preach it, it tears me up because I remember tomorrow I'm going to see about 15 people in the morning that are going to get one of these, and I'm going to hear all kinds of stuff. And I got sometimes I don't feel like talking to them. Sometimes I don't know the language. <laughs> sometimes we have to get a translator, but we've got to keep trying, okay, no matter how we feel, no matter what that city looks like. God bless you. I love you all. Hope we can get back in the next three years and see you again. Let's pray together. Father and Lord, we thank you for this night. Thank you for the scripture that teaches us. I feel like I'm I'm sharing this message with people who are just wonderful and sweet. They know you and love you and they want to serve you. And I pray, Father, that as this week comes and we meet people in the act of living on our way, we'll care for people. Oh, cry for them. Cry over them. Lord, help us to remember the examples you've set for us. Try to live that way. We'll not fail. Get glory from our lives. May people be saved this week. And by next week, there'll be testimonies in this place of those who came to know you. Because we did something. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.